Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Tired Mummy Podcast, a safe platform where we can openly discuss the highs and lows of parenthood, judgment-free. Join me in authentic conversations with mums and dads from across the globe. Let's help each other feel less alone, let's grow and feel better in our parenting skin together. Come join our tribe while we get into some real talk. And don't forget, bring your coffee. the Tide Mummy podcast. I'm your host, Alice Lanesbury, and you're listening to episode number seven. In today's show, I have an inspiring conversation with Sarah Ashton. Sarah is a mama of two. She's also an occupational therapist and matrescence revealer working with mamas. Her vision is to improve women's experience and quality of life in motherhood. If you're feeling alone or needing some advice to help you navigate the transition of motherhood, this episode is for you. Let's get started. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Could you please kick things off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and what's the one piece of parenting advice you wish you'd never listened to? Oh, thanks, Alice. I'm so happy to be here and honoured to be part of the podcast. So thank you. Um, so now I'm Sarah. I am a mother of two. I've got a proud mother of two, I should say. I've got a four-year-old son and a three-year-old daughter, both highly spirited, deeply feeling individuals who have taught me a lot so far. Um, And I'm an occupational therapist. I live in WA. I'm in the Pilbara, um, which is the northern part of Western Australia. We relocated here a couple of years ago for hubby's work. Um, And the one piece of parenting advice, advice that I wish I never listened to would definitely have to be that well-meaning 
sleep advice around making sure your child can self-settle. I feel very, very scarred by the numerous attempts at achieving a full night's sleep or getting into one of those many infant sleep routines, um, which I now know was never going to fit with me or my my children's temperament. So, I mean, there's a lot of advice I wish I never listened to, but that has probably been the one that traumatised me the most. Mm, I feel you. I definitely feel you on that one. It is traumatising. <laughs> So you're extremely passionate about matrescence. For anyone who's not heard the term matrescence, could you please explain what it is? Would love to. Um, So matrescence was the term coined by anthropologist Anna Raphael in 1973. She was also actually the woman who coined the term doula, funnily enough, and she said that um, the birthing of the child doesn't make the mother and that this process requires study. Now, she kind of put it to rest and went on to do other things and then a um, few decades later, Aurelie Athen, who is currently a clinical psychologist at Columbia University, she revived the term and she brought it into her work. So matrescence is the word or is the term used to describe the developmental process of transforming in motherhood is likened to adolescence. So as we know, adolescence is used to describe the transformation of a child to an adult and all that occurs within that transformation. Matrescence is the same, but it's the transformation from the maiden to the mother. It's the process, it's the rite of passage. It's the word that we can use to articulate the changes we experience across the various domains because we change in so many ways in our motherhood transformation. Aurelie Athen describes five areas of change or five domains of change. So she says we change biologically, psychologically, socially, politically and spiritually. And matrescence is described as one of, if not the largest identity shift that a woman will experience in her lifetime. Um, It doesn't just start with the birth of the baby. Matrescence goes from preconception, conception, pregnancy, birth and beyond. Um, Arguably, it lasts a lifetime as we continue to transform alongside the development of our children. Mm -hmm. And it will occur with every child. So our first um, matrescence, Matrescent, matrescent. Our first period of matrescence um, is obviously the most groundbreaking period for us. It's our first time that we go through it, but you will always have a matrescence period with each child. Wow, it's such. It's a lot. Like, and yeah. that's and that's why we're here talking about it because it's really important to talk about it. Um, I fell in love with your Instagram because you do share a lot of insights on becoming a mum. There is so much focus on birth and the immediate postpartum. Are there any steps in particular you feel mothers-to-be could do to prepare themselves for the journey that is matrescence? Thank you. First, that's really lovely feedback. Um, 
and rightly so that there's a focus on these things, right? But I think we also really, like you say, need to prepare for the longer-term shifts that we may experience within. Um, There are a few things that I think new mothers can do, I guess, to raise their awareness of the shift and that's part of us being here and talking about it and um, increasing the awareness alone of the term matrescence and that, yeah, it's simply learning that having an open mind and an understanding that may they may change in more ways than one. I also think um, in entering motherhood, having an awareness of the expectations that we hold, that we inherit a set of expectations socially and culturally, um, and that can set us up for those perceived failures um, that we might experience in motherhood. I guess having that awareness that usually we we don't know we have an expectation until we aren't meeting it and then we might experience those subsequent big feelings and emotions that come with that. So it's that open-minded consideration of all of those things that influence um, the way that we the, the way that we do the things we do, essentially. Um, so there's that raising awareness part that's important. Um, but when you're living then in the thick of it, you can call on that awareness to, I guess, validate and give yourself permission to have those feelings and those experiences. Alongside that, though, is also from an OT perspective, getting really clear on the things that fill your cup, that deeply replenish you, that energise you, um, and you might need those things in small doses. As an OT, my whole profession is underpinned by the fact that engagement in meaningful occupations is good for our health and is good for our well-being. So, when you become a mother, your occupations, and when I say occupations, that refers to the things you do, like the things you need to do and the things that you want to do. So when you become a mother, your occupations are hugely disrupted and you start to do a lot more of the things that you need to do and less of what you want to do. And in those early stages, that's expected, but we don't expect it to be such a big disruption in the long term. And it can be because, right, we're going through this whole developmental change process. So um, whilst extremely important, having a really quick and easy way to access those personally meaningful things can really help fill fill your own cup. You have to look after yourself in order to be able to look after and care for your children. Um, I guess one more thing, and I, I, I could talk about lots of things. These are things that personally in my own reflection I think would have been useful to me, but um, ha- just having a general awareness yourself and your closest support networks of the signs and symptoms of things like postnatal anxiety and postnatal depression. Collate a list of resources, go-tos for yourself and your partner so that you can recognise those signs early and get the help then. Mm, such good advice. Thank you. Now, for the mothers that are just learning about matrescence, what are three things a mama can implement today that can help her cope with the transformation? Thanks. Yeah. I mean, for some, that transformation in matrescence will, will come naturally. And for others, yes, it might be something that we do struggle to cope with. I know I have and still walking that same journey. Um especially if our realities don't align with what our expectations are. I think the things that have helped 
that I have found most helpful for me in my own transformative process. I'm not going to say transformation because it's it's ongoing. Ongoing, yeah. Um, yeah the first would definitely be self-compassion, having some compassion for ourselves um, and giving ourselves the same grace that we would give a close friend and acknowledging within that self-compassion that we aren't alone in this experience would be one. Um, having some daily habits or in OT world we would call it a pleasurable activity schedule, you know. Um, when we become mothers we lose a lot of that control or we might lose a lot of the stability that we previously had. Um, there is a lot that we don't have control of in motherhood. So regaining a sense of control or stability through small daily habits um, I think can really support our ability to, our ability to surrender to those times when we don't have control. Um, and another, the, the final one, because I know I've got to stick to three, uh, <laughs> like nervous system regulation. So mothering can be really triggering. Like mothering can be triggering to our inner child, to our past trauma, to our sensory systems. And all of these typically result in a fight or flight response from our nervous system. Learning what's work for us to calm the nervous system can be really useful. And I guess what's important to note here is that we have brain changes that occur in pregnancy. And with that, our ability to cope now as mothers might be different. We might need to call on coping mechanisms that are different than what worked before. Um, Dr. Oscar Serilak, who wrote the postnatal depletion cure, he's a, he's a doctor and he talks a lot about these brain changes and with these brain changes we actually need to retrain our nervous system to be able to cope with the demand. So, um, you know, practicing or finding out some things that work for you, whether it's breathing or listening to music or singing or vagal nerve stimulation, journaling, exercising, there are, you know, you can't prescribe nervous system regulatory approaches. You've got to find the one that will work for the unique individual, so for yourself. So just, I guess, getting some practice with that in the moment. Yeah, wow, such good advice, all of that. I know you, I know you had to stick to three, but <laughs> really good three, awesome. <laughs> now, when we see those two lines on the pregnancy test, we immediately start imagining what our life will be like with our little baby. How can we find balance or restore our imagined experience with our actual reality of motherhood? Hmm. Yeah. Um, I think balance, how we interpret the ourselves can be really misleading. Um, balance isn't about equal clock time. It's about in occupational science and in my profession, it's about um, spending time doing things within three domains, doing things within self-care, Productivity within our realm of motherhood is not only work, but it's domestic task, it's mothering care, it's the mothering work um, and leisure. So self-care, productivity, leisure. It's about spending time within these each of these things on a regularly occurring 
basis. So I think in regards to finding balance, I just want to, I guess, bring listeners' awareness to the fact that perhaps reframing how we consider the word balance can be hugely useful in um, how we perceive to be balancing our world in motherhood. Um, And, yeah, like reconciling our lived experience with our expectations can be really tough. I think um, the biggest thing here when, like you say, when we see those two lines on the pregnancy test, we start to picture life with our baby, with our babies, with other children. Um, And often how we picture that is a picture of what we're doing. Um, the thing that I would love to encourage people to do is to imagine life, imagine the feelings that you're feeling in your new or upcoming life as a mother or a broadening, largening family unit, not what you will be doing. Even mm-hmm. though I harp on it because it's occupational therapy practice, think about how we want to feel can allow us to make the decisions about what we do based on that. So rather than, I guess, trying to live a life based on expectations of what we should be doing, creating a life based on how we're wanting to feel in that moment can guide decisions around that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's amazing. That's a really good perspective and we'll twist on it and I think that's, yeah, I think feeling is important. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so much said for the perfect mother myth and all mm. of that around reconciling our lived experience with our actual experience. But, yeah, if we get rid of get rid of that, get rid of the noise around our expectations around what we should be doing, what that looks like, bring it back to how we, how we want that to feel. And then that will allow us to, I guess, live a bit more authentically in what is true to ourselves rather than the expectations that are in a large part inherited. You know, we have an inherited set of expectations. So, yeah. 100%. Ooh, so good. Uh, I would love for you to share your perspective on becoming a mother and how your identity shifted and how you moved through that experience. Well, I want to start by saying that um, becoming a mother deeply unraveled me. Um, I completely lost my footing with who I was completely. Before I became a mum, like I lived a life of based on independence, accomplishment, external validation through childhood, through my school, through my work. I always had a benchmark to which I needed or wanted to achieve. So, you know, I always had um, something, a KPI or something that was really clear that I could hit. And when I achieved that, that was my injection of success, of validation, of worth. And so when I became a mother, I like a lot of us do, subconsciously had set myself and my children KPIs, key performance indicators. And when we weren't, when we, because I 
you know, held myself and my children accountable, my babies accountable. When we weren't succeeding, I found myself really low, feeling really ashamed and also really alone. Um, I guess in addition to that, I expected that I would return to work really quickly after having a baby, um, six months. And it got to that six months, it's got to eight months, it got to 10 months, and then we decided to have another baby and I fell pregnant um, around my son's first birthday. So I found that really hard to reconcile why I wasn't, like why I wasn't motivated or making more of an effort to do something that I used to value so, so much. Um, so engaging in things that I should and I, yeah, so I, I, as a result of these expectations that I had on myself, I was engaging in all of the things that you should be doing based on what I saw other mothers doing. Yet I didn't find it was helping at all. I didn't find I was satisfied. I was not loving my life as a mum. Loved my kids. Really, really not enjoying life as a mum. Um, so, yeah, I didn't move through the transition very well at all until my son was about three, maybe closer to four. Um, I did some really deep soul searching, some self-development, and I um, started with doing Nikki McCann's alignment course um, and explored what I loved doing before kids with her guidance and why I loved doing it and finding more ways to incorporate that why into my life. Learning of matrescence was like that aha moment for me, you know, um, and being able to step into that transformation and be able to bring my work into that, you know, something that I'm so deeply passionate about, um, I've kind of had a real privilege, I feel very privileged, of being able to find something through that course, through this learning that I've done, that I can actually, like my own self-development, I can bring into the work that I do. So I guess like my my biggest help in that transformation is finding the things that light me up and incorporating them into the things that I value the most recognizing that like I had that big change with work doing some soul searching and some curiosity around that what was I missing from my work and then finding ways that I can bring that back into life as I know it you know yeah oh I um connected with so much of what you just said I'm just trying not to get emotional <laughs> <laughs> oh it's it's so it's such a huge transformation and the feelings that come with it and the ambivalence like the push and the pull it's just phenomenal like yeah you're not alone in that experience yeah and that's that's why I'm here with you sharing all of this because I don't want anyone else to feel alone I just I don't <laughs> Um, do you have any thoughts or shares on how to find, I know we talked about the word balance. Do you have any thoughts or shares on how to find balance on becoming a new mum and not losing sights of our passions and interests we once had or ambitions we were striving to before motherhood? 
Yeah, and, yeah, we spoke about this a little bit before, but I guess what I would say is just being open and prepared for these things like our passions, our interests and our ambitions. Be prepared for these to actually change too. Um, But knowing if you are aligned with knowing the way that you want to feel, then you will have your why for doing the things that you choose to do. Um, I think when we miss something, when we become a mother and we are missing something, but we're not, um, like my experience was I didn't feel like motivated enough. I felt like that's what it was. Like I therefore, there was something wrong with me and wasn't motivated enough to do it. I think getting curious what it is particularly that we are missing in in life and how we can find those small things you know is it if it's work that it's something that you're missing is it is it missing the creativity side of things is it missing achievement is it missing external validation is it missing a bit of a rhythm to your day like what is it particularly that you are missing or that void and how can you find small moments or little daily habits that you can incorporate every day, that stability type thing again, to help give you some of that? So good. I, um, mm. I've only just felt like I've found, I mean, I, I say only just, but, you know, I'm 18 months in and um, for me, all those little things that you just said about finding something that makes you feel good, that makes you feel like you're achieving something else, that makes you, you know, gives you other purpose besides being a mum. And I I don't mean to sound like besides being a mum because being a mum is a very important job, but it just that find that something that makes you feel purposeful in another way because sometimes when when you're, you know, you're not back at work and you're just mumming all the time. You get you can get so lost in just that purpose. Yeah, that's right. And you're again not alone. Like I relate totally to that. What we can get stuck in is seeing what other people are doing and feeling like that's what we should be doing mm. to get that. You no, know, like being mindful of the messages that we are receiving those messages are coming from because I know for myself like I would do the things like the baking with my kids or the making the crafts and doing the DIY things and because you know that's what you see out there as meaningful activities as a mother that should fill your cup but if you're not doing them because they are meaningful to you like they're going to tick up they're going to energize you they're going to be like your medicine like your elixir then you're not going to gain anything from them in actual fact they may make you feel even more ashamed or more guilty that we're not loving the things that we should be doing you know yeah oh such good advice (laughs) uh yeah like the arts and craft (laughs) (laughs) like I struggle with a spec like baking and art and craft 
for me. Like me and my kids in the kitchen do not do well. Like I, <laughs> I've surrendered. I've surrendered to that. I've found other ways that I enjoyed. I enjoy interacting with them. I love my kids. But I don't love cooking with them. So from an OT perspective, you know, I found other ways that they can get that sensory, you know, engagement that you get with baking and playing with flour and cracking eggs and all that type of stuff that you see. Um, There are other ways that you can do things like that that you can find enjoyable, you know. Um, It stresses me out. Like I get so overloaded when it comes to doing those types of things with my kids. I'm sure you're not (laughs) the only one. I know I'm not. (laughs) If you could go back... um, and tell yourself in the early days of being a mum, what would you tell yourself? Like what advice would you tell your, yourself back then? It's really hard to answer that question because I, like I don't know if I would listen. Like I don't know mm. if I would listen yeah. to it. Um, I think I would just hold the space for my um to know that what I was going through was a transformation um you know tell myself that I'm not expected nor should I bounce back in any way shape or form um and just to honor the feelings that I have and to acknowledge and validate that experience Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Agree. Ooh, wish I could go back and just tell her. Oh, there's so many. There. Uh, the, the pine side, it really is a crazy thing. I know. It's one of those things where, um, you know, you can't, I mean, you can try and prepare for it, but it's one of those things where, you can't go around, you can't go behind, you can't go over the top, like you have to move through it. Yeah, that's right. And that's like I said before, like it's not, there's lots that you can do to prepare but before it's having that awareness so then when you are in the thick of it you can, you know, when you're preparing to have a baby and I'm going to make a generalisation here but when you're preparing to have a baby you're in a period of time where you're wanting to absorb so much information you've got usually higher self-efficacy because you're achieving more things you know you're retaining more information you're not overwhelmed you're not fatigued you're not in the sleep deprivation and so just bringing that knowledge and that awareness into your prenatal period I think can when you are living through it like you say or you're in the thick of it you can call on that information that you have from deep within to support yourself through it. Mm, such a, yeah, that's such a great tool to have um, mm. to anyone who's out there listening that's pregnant. Such good yeah. advice just to get those tools on board so that when you do or if you do get overwhelmed, you can whip that tool belt out. <laughs> Now, I think it's safe to say that at some point um, we've all felt overwhelmed and lost as a mama. What advice would you give for those days where it feels like your world is so lonely? How can we, how can we cultivate compassion for ourselves? 
Well, I love self-compassion um, and you're right, like that's what we need to have. When you spoke then about how can we cultivate compassion and you spoke about feeling lonely, a really simple self-compassion practice um, that's been developed by Dr Kristen Neff has been the most um, helpful for me. You can find this little practice on Insight Timer or just by Googling um, Kristen Neff's five-minute self-compassion break and Nikki McCann introduced me to this. It's a really quick guided meditation taking yourself through that self-compassion. So what Dr Kristen Neff says in self-compassion, it's giving ourselves the same compassion that we were talking to ourselves like we would talk to a good friend and there are three parts to it. Um, The first part is, I guess, acknowledging the feeling. So like Dr Kristen Neff says, "This, this is a moment of suffering. This is really hard for me right now. Well, I'm feeling so overwhelmed. I'm feeling so frustrated. Acknowledging and naming that feeling to ourselves. Then giving ourselves some common humanity, which is getting rid of the fact that we are alone. It's saying, you know, suffering is part of life. Everyone goes through this. I'm not alone. Everyone feels overwhelmed sometimes. People get angry. Whatever it is, whatever script you want to create for yourself that's going to give yourself the compassion in the way that you personally would need to hear it. So there's, I guess, acknowledging the feeling, bringing in that common humanity, reminding yourself that suffering is part of life, that you are not alone in the process, and then speaking to yourself with with kindness and support. You know, if it's speaking to yourself in third person, it's all right, I would say. It's okay, Sarah, you've got this. It's all right. It's normal to feel hard. This is hard. 40 minutes until bedtime or, you know, like whatever it is that you need to hear to help bring yourself through the moment, whether it's nurturing or whether it's um, nurturing or whether it's like a response to the inner critic that is talking to you. Like what do you need to say to yourself to bring yourself some compassion in that moment? What's really important, I think, about self-compassion is that it's a learned skill, like they say about mindfulness. You know, you need to train your muscle, you need to train your brain. Self-compassion is the the same and we really do need to be able to call on self-compassion in a moment of crisis. And so if we can practice it daily, it can better equip us to call on it when we need it most, which is why I just loved that five-minute self-compassion break Um, and then along with that developing your own little scripts that you might be able to go to to give yourself that compassion in the moment Mm, so good and I feel like five minutes is really achievable (laughs) it's not like some big like long thing that's just not realistic for a mama (laughs) exactly right five minutes you know whenever you get five minutes it's five minutes Exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay, right. Where can our listeners find you if they want to reach out? Okay. A few places. Um, I guess my most predominant presence at the moment is on Instagram via Matrescence Matters. You can find me there. Um, I have a website which is sarahashtonot.com.au. 
Um, and those are, I guess, my main two points of call. I've just started a newsletter which I think I find I can talk Alice, like I love to talk and I love to use lots of words that I definitely find the 2,000 limit on Instagram <laughs> so hard. <laughs> Last month I started my first little newsletter and I must say that um, writing and communicating in, in that form seemed really natural to me. So if you want to be part of that newsletter too, um, you can jump on to my website and subscribe there. I've just opened up discovery calls. So as an occupational therapist, um, you could see me as you would see a physiotherapist or a chiropractor um, through referral from your doctor or through private consults. So, Amazing. Um, yeah, some of my services may be eligible for rebates from Medicare or through private health insurance. So if you're wanting to learn a little bit more or you feel like you might benefit from a bit more support from a maternal OT perspective, helping you through that transformation. Um, through Instagram, I've just put a little handle in there to book a free discovery call. So you can have a chat to me there and we can discuss ways that you might be able to access my services. Whilst I'm local to um, Karatha and I love the face-to-face work, I'm also aware of the need for online presence and the connectedness. So um always up for Zoom, phone, online consults. There is no limit being able to provide healthcare. Oh, absolutely agree. Thank you so much for joining me today. Such a good conversation, such an important conversation, and I'm just so grateful that we were able to do this. Thank you, Alice. Thanks for the invitation and thanks for having me. It's been wonderful. I love to talk about this. So, yeah, thanks again. Thank you so much for joining me today. If this episode resonated with you, please leave me a five-star review. This helps other mums and dads find the podcast. You can also find us on Instagram under the Tired Mummy Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. This Tired Mummy is signing out. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.